Well, it's that time of year again. The days are getting shorter and the, the leaves are falling from the trees. Some people gather around the campfire to make s'mores, while others line up for their favorite squash-flavored caffeinated beverage. You know which one I'm talking about. Hashtag Starbucks is not a sponsor. Hashtag but totally should be. Anyway, for me, the arrival of fall means that we're inching closer to my favorite part of the year, the holiday season. And while my go-to is that window between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's no denying that Halloween is what kicks it all off. And Halloween has some wonderful traditions of its own. Costumes, trick-or-treating, haunted houses, scary movies, although I'm a huge scaredy cat and don't do those last two. And of course, Halloween movies and TV specials are the best. There's Hocus Pocus. Go to hell! Oh, I've been there, thank you. I found it quite lovely. <laughs> Beetlejuice. It's showtime. The Nightmare Before Christmas. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I see you shiver with anticipation. And, and now we have David S. Pumpkins. Any questions? I'm just trying to wrap my head around David Pumpkins. I mean, are we supposed to know who that is? But my favorite Halloween-related media premiered over 50 years ago and is widely considered to be the first Halloween special. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, is kind of hard to summarize. I tried to do it, so just take my word for it. It's about Charlie Brown and the rest of the Peanuts gang celebrating Halloween. I guess that's kind of it. There's a Halloween party. Charlie Brown, if you got an invitation, it was a mistake. There were two... Bobbing for apples. This is the way to do it. Yeah, Lucy, you should be good at this. You have the perfect mouth for it. Trick-or-treating. I got a rock. And, of course... The Great Pumpkin. Now, in case you've forgotten the specifics, here is Linus writing a letter to the Great Pumpkin like you would to Santa Claus, and then Charlie Brown walks in. Dear Great Pumpkin, I'm looking forward to your arrival on Halloween night. I hope you will bring me lots of presents. Who are you writing to, Linus? This is the time of year to write to the Great Pumpkin. On Halloween night, the great pumpkin rises out of his pumpkin patch and flies through the air with this bag of toys for all the children. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? When you stop believing in that fellow with the red suit and the white beard who goes ho, ho, ho. We are obviously separated by denominational differences. So most people think of the great pumpkin as just this strange thing that Linus believes in. In fact, the late Charles Schultz himself said that he just thought it was funny that Linus would somehow get Christmas and Halloween mixed up. My, my favorite part of the episode, not my favorite, but one of my favorite parts is when Linus is in the pumpkin patch and all of the kids come to visit him, essentially just to laugh at him. And he asks them, Hey, have you come to sing pumpkin carols? Later on, however, Linus provides an important bit of information about the Great Pumpkin and its mythology. He'll come here because I have the most sincere pumpkin patch and he respects sincerity. Each year the Great Pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch that he thinks is the most sincere. He's got to pick this one. He's got to. I don't see how a pumpkin patch can be more sincere than this one. You can look all around and there's not a sign of hypocrisy. 
Nothing but sincerity as far as the eye can see. Okay, so out of an abundance of caution, I'm going to issue a spoiler alert for The Great Pumpkin. Danger, explorers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Thank you, Brightbot. You're welcome. Okay, spoiler alert. The Great Pumpkin does not show up by the end of the episode. In fact, over the course of almost 50 years of the peanut strip and dozens of animated specials, Linus never sees the Great Pumpkin. Yet despite that, his belief never wavers. He'll go out there every year and wait in that pumpkin patch. Now, I have like a million questions about the situation. Perhaps the most pressing one is that if Linus believes that the Great Pumpkin delivers toys to the good boys and girls of the world, how come Linus has never gotten a gift from the Great Pumpkin? That would be like continuing to believe in Santa Claus even though you've never seen him or gotten a gift from him. Great. I just beat up Santa Claus. But I digress. Do you see what I did there? If we take Linus at his word, that the Great Pumpkin rises from the most sincere pumpkin patch, then we just have to assume that Linus's patch has simply never been the most sincere. Otherwise, the Great Pumpkin would have risen from there. And maybe it never happened because sincerity is just a hard thing to make happen on a dime. On your mark, get set, be sincere. Like some, it just doesn't work that way. And sincerity also seems to be greatly lacking in the world today. We rarely see it in our, in our lives, particularly in public spaces, and it's even more rare on TV or on social media. So perhaps today, we can figure out what sincerity looks like and how we can make it happen more often, even under stressful situations. You think you're so smart. Just wait until the great pumpkin comes. He'll be here. All right, where is he? He'll be here. I hope so. I have my reputation to think of, you know. And just think of all the fun we're missing. Just look. Nothing but sincerity as far as the eye can see. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. Halloween is coming up, and we're talking about sincerity. We'll use the words of a late-night television host and a friendly neighbor. My name is Brett Guida. I'm Nick Jaworski. Oh, that's creepy. Uh, let's start the show. As Brett and I started talking about this episode a couple of months ago, the idea of discussing sincerity while tying it into The Great Pumpkin seemed like such a great idea. We could bring in some clips from the show. There are three things they have learned never to discuss with people. Religion, politics, and The Great Pumpkin. Throw in some rustling leaves, add some spooky sounds, and we've got ourselves an old-fashioned Halloween episode. However, over the last couple of weeks, it's become apparent that defining and understanding sincerity is actually really hard. And if we can't actually define it for you, how can we possibly talk about it? So here's the one thing we know for sure. 
When somebody is being 100% sincere, you feel it. In fact, it's almost jarring. So rather than trying to overly define sincerity, we thought it might be better to just show it to you. Good evening, weirdos! Welcome to the Chris Gether Show! Welcome, everybody! Welcome to the Chris Gether Show here live on True TV. Thank you for tuning in. We need you to call in tonight, 833-BIG-MAN-6. So that last voice you heard is Chris Gethard. He's a comedian, improviser, podcaster, and he hosts a talk show on True TV called The Chris Gethard Show. The show originated as a live stage show in New York, but then it moved to Manhattan Public Access in 2011 for a few years before it was picked up by Fusion and now True TV. And the reason I share all of that with you is because the show, despite being televised nationally live every Thursday... The show still feels like a public access show. Like, if you were to just be flipping through channels and you stumbled upon it 20 minutes in, you'd likely think to yourself, what the f*** is happening? I first heard about the show about a year ago because they did, um, I don't, I'll just, I'll just let Chris explain it. Welcome to the Chris Gethard Show. I'm very, very happy because we're about to do, I think, the dumbest show we've done in years. <laughs> we brought our dumpster into the studio, and you guys are going to have a chance to uh, guess what's in there. We're asking you guys to call in, Skype in. You can take a guess, and that's the whole show. <laughs> that's it. I'm like, tell okay, so I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it is a riveting hour of television. So you can click the link in the description or subscribe to our newsletter or visit our Facebook page and you can get to a spoiler-free version so you can watch it. That's a bonus dig for you. Trust me, it's worth it. Okay, so anyway, the show encourages the bizarre and the unexpected. They once did an episode where Chris stayed awake for 36 hours before hosting the show. This season, there was an episode where everybody on stage was exercising for the entire hour. One time, they took the entire studio audience and, and crew on a road trip to New Jersey. And the ethos of the show could be summed up by a quote from an interview that Chris gave before this season started airing. He said, we've worked so hard to make it great. If it isn't great, I want it to be a complete train wreck. But the reason that I bring this up is because the show balances out its oddball, what am I watching vibe with some real heart. For every episode where they stage a WWE style wrestling match, there are other ones that start with stories like this. When I was 19, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, one of my best friends to this day, and I said to him, like, dude, something's going on with me. Like, I get sad, but it's not, like, sad, and, like, I'll get angry, but it goes way beyond angry, and I don't really know how to explain what's happening, but, like, something's wrong. Something's, like, up in my head, and I'll never forget. He was like, yeah, like, uh, uh, good luck, bro. Like, and, and he didn't know what to say, and then I felt so bad I even brought it up because he felt awkward and bad and then that made me feel even worse and I think about it now at the age of 35 and I still get mad but I want to be clear I do not get mad at my friend I get mad that that's how our culture trains us to talk about mental health stuff like if you're if you're in that sort of state I was in you're supposed to just deal with it on your own keep it behind closed doors don't make everybody uncomfortable with your problems and I think that's really messed up that we can't have that conversation publicly so tonight on the Chris Gethard show we're going to have that conversation very very publicly on a comedy show that's also going to be really funny. I hope. And there it is. Sincerity, or whatever words you want to define it, that doesn't matter because that's it. 
You just know it when you see it. And it's because of moments like that that Chris Gethard was the first person I thought of when we had the idea for this episode. In a lot of ways, he's kind of like the Linus of late night. Now, unfortunately, we were not able to get him on the show. We tried, but he's a very busy guy. I would have asked him about sincerity in public spaces. I would have asked him how he can be sincere on command. He's, he's clearly very good at it. But again, we don't need to ask him these questions. We can just sort of show you. And while we were producing this episode, there was the shooting in Las Vegas. And here is some audio from the first Chris Gethard show after that shooting. <laughs> Let me explain some things. Let me explain some things about tonight, because tonight's going to be a weird one. I've had a very bad week. I have mental health problems. I've never hidden that. And uh, I feel constant stress and anxiety on my best days. It comes to this show. There's about 60 people employed by this show. And every single week, I'm thinking, I got, I got to make this thing succeed for them, keep people going. And then you wake up, and there's just, I mean, there's natural disasters. There's man-made disasters. It's been such a crazy month. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I spent Monday and Tuesday in my office in the dark, and JD was really protected me, our showrunners, just making sure nobody saw me because I was not holding it together well. And I feel like I need to deal with it and there's no way around it. That's where I'm at and this show is live and it comes from me. So I got to put it out there. I'm falling apart, man. Emotionally, I'm a notorious basket case and the world's not making it easy. And I bet so many of us out there are just looking around going, what's going on? All this crazy happening. Nobody wants to talk to each other. It's like the more stuff that happens, the less it feels likely that any progress is being made. It's freaking me out. And uh, I just want to talk about it. So I'm so glad you're here, Michael, because... One During the rest of the episode, you can tell that Chris is really upset. Michael Ian Black is the guest, and Chris is genuinely seeking some reassurance from him. There, there's, a, like a, there's like a desperation to it. You can feel it. It's not something that you can imagine Jimmy Fallon doing, right? And you also definitely can't imagine Jimmy Fallon doing this. During a week that has been legitimately hard, where I've been on the verge of falling apart, there is one person I want to talk to. Uh, Mom, are you there? I am. Hi, Christopher. How are you, Mom? (laughs) Good to hear your voice right now, Mom. (laughs) I'm sorry you're feeling so bad. Yeah, I know, but I get like that sometimes, as you know. Well, we all do. We all do. It's been a terrible week. Yeah. It has. It has. And uh, you always, I feel like you always manage to say something that just, uh, I feel like that just reminds me that I'm like a person who needs to just keep on going. I don't know how you do it. Well, you, you know, you have to remember that you put a lot of good out into the world. I try my hardest. You really do. And your fans appreciate it. And, you know, you have to keep doing things like that and, and try to look at the positive things. Few things could be more sincere than a mother reassuring her son. It's palpable. This this moment, this connection, it, it's all made possible by Chris's willingness to share this moment with his audience. His fears, his battles with his mental health, his, his family. And we, the audience, were rewarded for his candor. We're brought together by it. That sincerity that we've talked about, it's infectious. Hi, Sally, I'm Michael. Hi, Michael. I want to tell you, Sally, uh, my, I just lost my mom at the end of May. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I have to say, uh, 
hearing your voice and hearing the relationship between you and Chris is making me feel great. And it's making me, uh, one, miss my mom, but two, feeling like I'm kind of getting a hug from you. And good. I thank you very much for good. it. Good, I'm glad you feel that way. I do. My mom's very good about that. Here's one thing I Hey everyone, it's Brett here. I just wanted to drop in here and say that we so appreciate all the love and interaction that we get from our listeners out there. Um, and if you are a listener and a fan, which I would imagine you are if you're hearing me right now, please join in on the conversations on Facebook, on Twitter, and now on Instagram too. We're Explore WTS in all three places. You can also email us. I mean, any way you want to reach out to us, we just want you to know how much it means to us. I mean, this week, for example, uh, we had a post up about the uh, the BuzzFeed quiz, What Pizza Are You? Um, and a lot of people engaged, right? So we got uh, fellow Hawaiian pizza, Lori Higashi, as well as Meg Holbrook, Bill McKaig, Amber Robertson, Lori Skida, Tracy Grass, Meyer and Kalen Cross, aka Pizza Supreme. Uh, we you know we also got a dig this this week from Victor Kuna, which we'll talk about in our dig section. We got a new thing called WTS Bumps happening, where we want to hear about what you're creating and we want to share it with people and explore the week. So that could be you next. Who knows? So we just wanted to say to you that you know it means so much to us and it fills our tanks to be able to interact with you guys and truly be a community. Uh, and we got some things down the pipeline in this season as well to help you guys engage with each other and to help us engage not just online, but in the real world. So stay tuned for that. But until then, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, leaving us voicemails on our website, reach out, engage. We love it. We love you. Thanks. As Nick mentioned earlier, once we started crafting this show, it became challenging. We both had some thoughts and ideas about what we would talk about and examples we thought we might use. And then, for me anyway, it kind of seemed like almost every other day, something would happen in current events that would bring me right back to that word, sincerity. But maybe the biggest question I found myself asking is, well, what's our point? You know, I mean, we look at each episode of Where There's Smoke as an invitation to change for us and our listeners. So what's the invitation to change here? And then it sort of hit me. Maybe we need sincerity to keep us from drowning in the darkness. Because as I witness our world right now, we seem to be soaking in deceit, dishonesty, falsehood, and trickery. And look, sincerity... It's not a moral ground. It is expressing your emotions with no filter. Sincerity is to be free of artifice, pure and genuine in your expression. And so being sincere does not make you good or smart or correct. I mean, people can be sincerely mean, be sincere assholes, and spew hate sincerely. But I don't believe that that takes away from the value of sincerity in our world right now. 
Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Because darkness cannot exist in the presence of light, even if it is just a sliver of light, like that little stream of sunshine that peeks through the drapes in your hotel room and it changes the feel from night to morning. Perhaps moments of sincerity are that little bit of light. And personally, I'd rather live in a world of emotional honesty than intellectual agenda. And I'm not worried about the nature of that emotion, that sincerity, because I believe that if we nurtured a world like that, we'd have less hate. While there is definitely sincere hate and anger in our world, maybe a lot of it comes from people being angry at themselves first, angry that they are hiding themselves, that they have let life put them in a corner where they feel a need to hide their true emotions and deceive themselves and others. Nobody puts baby in a corner. I mean, I don't know for sure, but maybe. I think Brett is right. I, I've been thinking of sincerity as honesty without agenda. That's been my working definition. It's expressing yourself without regard for how it will be received or what you will get in return. And we see honesty a lot in presentations, but being honest is different than being sincere. So take TED Talks, for example. There's a lot of great information in a TED Talk, but they're always trying to sort of pitch you an idea, a way of looking at the world. Everyone said the path to happiness was success, so I searched for that ideal job, that perfect boyfriend, that beautiful apartment. But instead of so they're valuable, they're insightful, they're honest, but just the nature of the format means that there's a little bit of a sales pitch, so it strays away from being sincere. But having said that, Sincerity can be very persuasive. It's a tricky thing. And the moment that you decide to be sincere, you run the risk of not being sincere. But there are plenty of examples of it working. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Our North American listeners are undoubtedly familiar with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, hosted by Fred Rogers, which sounds weird because he's always Mr. Rogers to me. The show existed in some form or another for almost 40 years. The basic premise was simple. Mr. Rogers spends a half hour talking directly to his audience, helping them to explore both the outer world and their inner world as well. You know, how do we cope with being sad or afraid or alone? The idea is that when you watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you are his television neighbor. I mean, it basically brings me to tears almost any time I hear him say something like this. Hi, television neighbor. I'm glad we're together again. And the reason it's so powerful is because you know he means it. You just feel it. Now, in case you're thinking, Nick, Mr. Rogers is pretty great, but a lot of what you're expressing is just nostalgia. And yes, nostalgia can stir up a lot of emotions, but I can prove it's more than that. 
I can prove that Mr. Rogers has a unique ability to speak directly and sincerely to anybody. Now, Mr. Rogers is certainly one of the best things that's ever happened to public television, and his Peabody Award is testament to that fact. We in public television are proud of Fred Rogers, and I'm proud to present Mr. Rogers to you now. All right, let's set the scene. The year is 1969, and Mr. Rogers is being introduced to give testimony to the United States Senate Subcommittee on Communications, which is a mouthful. (laughs) Now, Mr. Rogers was there to support funding for both PBS and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting because Nixon had proposed some budget cuts, so basically nothing ever changes. And this is a much younger version of Mr. Rogers than you're used to. He's 41 years old in this clip, and he's speaking directly to Senator John Pastore from Rhode Island. And the senator is 62 years old, and as you'll hear, he really isn't in the mood for this. And I'm proud to present Mr. Rogers to you now. All right, Rogers, you got the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Senator Pastore, this is a philosophical statement and would take about 10 minutes to read, so I'll not do that. One of the first things that a child learns in a healthy family is trust. And I trust what you have said that you will read this. It's very important to me. I care deeply about children. My first children... Will it make you happy if you read it? I'd just like to talk about it, if it's all right. All right, sir. My first children's program... Over the next just six minutes, Mr. Rogers tells the senator that an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood only cost about $6,000, and that same amount would only pay for two minutes of animated cartoons back then. What I sometimes say, bombardment. Then he tells Senator Pastore, in the most simple terms, what Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood tries to do. I'm very much concerned, as I know you are, about what's being delivered to our children in this country. And I've worked in the field of child development for six years now, trying to understand the inner needs of children. We deal with such things as as the inner drama of childhood. We don't have to bop somebody over the head to make him, to, to make drama on the screen. We deal with such things as getting a haircut or the feelings about brothers and sisters and the kind of anger that arises in simple family situations. And we speak to it constructively. And this is when you know something is happening right here. Do you remember how this all started? Remember this? All right, Rogers, you got the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's what the senator says after listening to Mr. Rogers speak for like a minute. How long a program is it? It's a half hour every day. Could we get a copy of this so that we can see it? Maybe not today, but I'd like to see the program. I'd like very much for you to see. I'd like to see the program itself or any one of them, you see. I mean, he's hooked. He's, He's there with him. The video cuts back and forth between Mr. Rogers and Senator Pastore, and you can see how quickly the senator is charmed by, essentially, this stranger. I mean, Mr. Rogers is our television neighbor, but Senator had never even heard of him. This is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, 
You've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. I think that it's much more dramatic that two men could be working out their feelings of anger, much more dramatic than showing something of gunfire. Do you uh, narrate it? I'm the host, yes. And I do all the puppets, and I write all the music, and I write all the scripts. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. Just think about that for a second. Not only can we sense that this senator from Rhode Island is touched by Mr. Rogers' sincerity, but the senator even meets Mr. Rogers at his level by telling the entire room that he has goosebumps simply from hearing Mr. Rogers speak. This is the power of sincerity, not only in private, but in the public space and why it's so important. And the best part is what happens next. It's, it is beautiful. Well, I'm grateful, not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that, that children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong, and nothing you do seems very right, know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a woman, and a boy, and a boy can be someday a man. That's important. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. <clears throat> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> and you can tell the senator is simply befuddled by what he just witnessed, by like what he just experienced. And the reason he feels that way, the reason that I feel that way, the reason that I'm pretty sure I hope that most of you feel that way, is because sincerity is so rare that when we encounter it in the world, we, we barely know how to handle it. Now, unlike most episodes of Where There's Smoke, we're not ending here with a huge call to action. This invitation to change is, is smaller. We can't tell you to simply be sincere, just like Linus can't force sincerity so he can meet the great pumpkin. All we can say, or all we can really ask, is that you take the time to notice those little moments in the world when it happens, when somebody feels open enough or raw enough to just say what they feel. And if you can do that, if you can see those little moments, then what you'll be witnessing are these tiny acts of bravery, and you'll see them every day. 
and we should honor those people who share themselves with us, and over time, perhaps it will rub off on us, and we'll feel more comfortable being sincere in this world too, and that would make an enormous difference. The most important thing is that we're able to be one-to-one, -one, you and I, with each other at the moment. If we can be present to the moment with the person that we happen to be with at the moment, that's what's important. Hey everybody, even though he wasn't technically on the show, I just want to point everyone's attention to The Chris Gethard Show. I think it's something very interesting. I think it's something very special. And it's the kind of show that I think listeners of Where There's Smoke would really enjoy. And if you are at all interested, you can find him online. Gethard is G-E-T-H-A-R-D. Of course, we've got that dumpster show in the show notes and the show description. And follow him on Twitter, Facebook, all the places. And if you check it out or if you're a fan already, let us know on Explore WTS, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram now. So that's it. Thanks. Hey, listeners. This is Teresa in Atlanta welcoming you to WTS Digs, the part of the show where we share what we like, what we love, what we're eating, what we're listening to, all things wonderful. So, Brett, what's going on? What are you digging? That was very good. I'm just going to cut in there. I uh, like that. It was really well, well done. That was the first time Teresa's ever uh, ever, ever uh, opened up digs. So great job. She's taken over the show in a few weeks. So uh, enjoy Nick and I while we last. <laughs> okay. So uh, before, Teresa, thank you. Before, I, I just want to share a listener dig. So uh, Victor Kuna, who is a big fan of the show, been a fan for probably almost since the beginning. He uh, tweeted us uh, video game persona for Golden. Uh, I actually retweeted it. Um, he really, really loves it uh, and says the game's got a lot of depth. So I wanted to just put that out there. So those gamers out there, Persona for Golden. And then my dig this week, I guess there's nothing that says that these digs have to be new stuff. I mean, Nick, you've you've dug oh, stuff in the I past. Never, I almost never yeah. dig new but, things. But I, I tend to, especially when it comes to music, I tend to talk about newer stuff. Um, however, so this is an album, a, a woman named Jamila Woods, um, who is on top of being an incredible musician, just an incredible human being. So she's a yeah. she's a Chicago-based soul singer. She's also a poet. She's also an activist. Uh, some people out there might know her because she's collaborated with Chance the Rapper. Uh, she's on Sunday Candy. Um, she's actually on a Macklemore song too as well. Anyway, she put out an album last summer called Heaven. H-E-A-V-N. So no, no second E. And it was actually one of my top albums of the year. But last year it was only available. It was basically on... Bandcamp and you could like download it. It wasn't actually available on iTunes or anything. I just realized because I got an email from uh, that it's now on vinyl and it's now it was released officially in August. 
So um, I just wanted to kind of throw it out as a dig because it's one of my favorite records from 2016, though now it's officially a 2017 record. Um, it's really an album about black girlhood in Chicago, and it's very, it's very much about the experience in America right now for black and brown people. And it's, but it's beautiful and it's musical and it's and she's incredible. So the album's called Heaven. Uh, you can listen to it now on anywhere you stream music. You can buy it on vinyl if you're a vinyl person. And uh, can't recommend it enough. Jamila Woods. Yeah, I heard about her on NPR this week, but I haven't listened ah, to it yet. Oh, sweet. That sounds awesome. I love it. Love to know. Yeah. I love to know that NPR is promoting her because she deserves to be promoted. So um, that makes me happy. Uh, all right, Nick. So what about you? What are you digging? Well, um, I am. Di- I, it's so funny. I've been so in the weeds with the show that it's hard for me to be thinking about other things, except for that Mr. Rogers is a national treasure, which we know he has never let us down. And there's actually just literally, you cannot hear a story about Mr. Rogers where it was like, one time he gave me the finger. One t- it doesn't exist. And there is a speech out there that actually didn't make the cut. And it's funny because Brett texted me the same thing this morning. And I was like, yeah, I uh, it almost made the show. It is Fred Rogers accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 24th Annual Daytime Emmys. And we're going to put the link, of course, in our episode description. And I'm not... I'm not even going to play it. Usually I would might cut in here. You've heard a lot of Mr. Rogers in this episode. Um, please go check it out. I, I mean, every time I see it, I just like start crying. <laughs> it is simple and powerful and the audience, it's just crazy. So I am digging Fred Rogers' 1997 acceptance speech at the Daytime Emmy Awards. It is something you need, need, need to see. And there'll be all kinds of Mr. Rogers stuff on the Facebook page all week. So go check that out. That's what I'm digging. Teresa, what are you digging this week? Uh, less appropriate for children, but more um, Halloween appropriate dig. I have been re-watching a bunch of old Hitchcock movies lately mm. and loving them. Um, a couple months ago, I went to Sleep No More, um, which is like the <gasps> immersive theater I, thing in Manhattan. I love Sleep No More. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. it was crazy. I can't stop thinking about it. And Do you want to explain it, it what has, it is like, like really know, quick? Oh, Hard to explain, but a very um, trippy, immersive theater experience where you wander around five stories of a makeshift warehouse hotel, and it's a silent play, and you can, like, the actors can touch you and drag you into rooms, and it's never the same thing twice, and you have to wear a mask. And I still have my mask here, actually. Nice. <laughs> but, you know, the music, like, they have all that sort of, um, well, there's some thematic um, scenes from Rebecca. And I had never watched the Hitchcock movie, Rebecca. So I was inspired to watch it. And then since then, I've just been on a like a weekly kick. Um, because especially like the bonus materials of all the DVDs, they unpack all that behind the scenes stuff of what he was doing and what his vision was. And, you know, how Alfred Hitchcock was working in cinematography was so unique, especially, you know, at the time um, when a lot of those movies came out. And during, you know, Halloween time, it's like all the suspense I can handle because I can't really do other standard horror movies. <laughs> nope, me neither. So it's kind of a dig and bump combo. Um, can I throw a bump in here? Sure. Uh, I pick up the DVDs at my favorite local business in Atlanta, Georgia, which is Videodrome. Oh, yeah. It's the um, Atlanta... Yeah, it's the old... Like, it's an Atlanta institution, and it's so old that it's become cool and hipster again. And I really appreciate the guys who like work in there and the way they 
sort the DVDs in the store and the Blu-rays and the way that they'll like have a human recommendation of films with you, like a discussion instead of the Netflix algorithm being like, here's what you need to watch next. So Atlanta listeners, go support Videodrome on the corner of North and Highland. It's my fave. Right on. So I feel like, Nick, you'll appreciate this. I feel like, you know, we have we have a bigger team now and you bring on bigger teams, you, you bring on new people, new things. I feel like maybe Teresa has just balanced me out karmically <laughs> because Nick knows that I get my movies very different. Uh, so I feel very good oh. about knowing that, that, that Teresa's <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Teresa's out there supporting awesome DVD movie stores. And, in person, uh, in person, I I feel like you know job creating yeah, this DVD is purchases. The, 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 the karma of where there's smoke as a whole has gone up at least in a couple of notches. So, <laughs> um, so listen, everyone out there, we want to know what you're digging. We say it all the time. Victor tweeted us today, uh, this week, which was awesome. But please do that. We will be posting. Uh, these digs of ours on Facebook, likely on Twitter. We're now on Instagram, so some of this stuff might end up on Instagram too. So we'll definitely be putting it out there, but if you let us know what you're digging, uh, we're going to share that with our audience as well, and we might even share it right here on an episode. So please let us know. Thanks, Teresa. (laughs) You're welcome. It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for some credits. We do appreciate all the love and interaction we get from our listeners out there. Please join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. And now Instagram, we are ExploreWTS in all three places. You can always reach out to us by email as well using connect at where there's smoke. Co. Thank you, Podrover, for featuring Nick and I as their podcasters of the week. I think you'll enjoy the article and you will learn a lot more about Nick and I and how we make this show. It is pinned to the top of both our Facebook and Twitter pages. The number one thing you can do this week to help the mission called WTS is to share the podcast. Share our Facebook posts with your friends or write your own posts about the show. Tweet about where there's smoke. Check out our Instagram and repost there. Or just grab your friend's phone and subscribe them to the show. They'll thank you later. And in turn, we might just thank you too with a shout out right here in the credits. I do want to give a shout out to Sri Arja for helping me find a clip that ultimately didn't make it into the show, but I wanted to slip it in here anyway. So to all of our Hindi speaking listeners out there, you might recognize these MLK words. Where There's Smoke is sincerely written and produced by me, Brett Gaida, and Nick Jaworski. We are supported by an amazing team that currently includes Teresa Ward, Kristen McMullen, and Dylan Davis. If you have a podcast or you want to make one and you want it to sound awesome, look up Nick at podcastmonster.com. And if you're looking for a keynote speaker for an event, reach out to me at Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at Where There's Smoke. Our podcast cover was designed by Sam Goff with the season four remix by Ricky Rowe at Alchemist Creative. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and then our very own Nick Jaworski remixed that. Speaking of music, music in this show was provided by Nick. Music this week came from Soft and Furious, Poddington Bear, Blue Dot Sessions, Chris Zabriskie. Mr. Rogers wrote all of his own music, and the great Johnny Costa played that amazing piano. The great pumpkin music, including the beautiful great pumpkin waltz, is from Vince Guaraldi, and of course, Kevin McLeod. 
And with that, we are going to do something that I believe we've only done once before, which is to let someone else close out the show besides Nick and I. So I'm putting the signature sign-off down, and I'm handing the close to Mr. Rogers. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about I will too You always make each day such a special day You know how By just your being you There's only one person in the whole world like you and people can like you just the way you are Thank mm-hmm. you.